Hey there, I'm your host, Dylan. And I'm his wife, Justine. And together, let's make a baby. Let's do it. Okay. Hey guys, this is Dylan from the Let's Make a Baby podcast. We wanted to put out a quick episode to quickly touch base on all the steps of the IVF process, well, for our IVF process, so you guys can get the quick, juicy details of what to look forward to right out of the gate. If you want to hear more, make sure to follow along on our story and our journey to turn our house into a home, and uh, you know all the ups and downs of that, and believe me, there are a lot. So IVF in five, here we go. Step one. Step one is going to be to get your consultation. You want to call your local IVF clinic, wherever it may be, or the IVF clinic of your choice, and set up an appointment to get to know the team, get to know the doctor, you know, look up reviews, really get a feeling for for who they are and what you're looking for, and talk about your hopes and expectations, and also find out, you know, really what they can do for you. It's not like you have to settle on one. If you have multiple available to you, you can go to the one that makes you feel most comfortable because throughout this process, it's a very intimate, very, um, you know, close up and personal, you know, good news, bad news, ups and downs type relationship. So you want to make sure initially you are comfortable with the people that you're going to be doing this with. And so that's going to be step one is the consultation to find out what, what all is going to be involved in this process and get comfortable with them. Step two. Step two is going to be one of the least fun, uh, you know, one of the lesser fun appointments, but is going to get your financial consultation. This is where you get to sit down with a finance counselor of the IVF and really find out the cost, you know, because once you have that consultation and come up with a game plan, you now sit down to find out what the potential cost could be for your treatment going forward. Like we were saying before, you know, it's not a, a one size fits all. Some treatments may be more involved than others. In our case, we were very fortunate where it was relatively, uh, a relatively easy process, not easy by any means, but relatively easy to other people's pro- you know, IVF processes. And we got to find out what that cost was and find out a way, you know, find a way to pay for it. If your insurance, insurance doesn't cover IVF treatment, it can be very expensive. And so it's good to have those things lined out beforehand before you get your hopes up and, um, you know, find out really if it's realistic for you right now. Step three. Step three in this process for us was getting the TESI. TESI stands for testicular sperm extraction. It's where they go in and they retrieve the sperm from me. They knock you out, they take a needle, shoot your goodies, take it out, and you get to go home with an ice pack and a cup of Vicodin for a couple days and just rest. Not that bad. Overall, eight out of ten. Step four. Step four in this process is your spouse will start shots and meds for egg retrievals. Um, that's a pretty easy process. You just you you get a hold of the whatever pharmacy you know works with your IVF clinic, and they send you meds to start to get your spouse's body all hopped up in hormones, and really get those eggs growing so you can have a successful egg extraction and get as many as possible. Because the more eggs you retrieve, the more likely it is that you'll have more embryos and more opportunities to start your family. Step four. Step four is millions of blood uh, blood tests for your spouse, 
and uh, lots and lots of ultrasounds. As you're getting your spouse is getting their body ready for egg retrieval, they have to monitor these things to make sure you know. And throughout this, you'll do millions of blood tests so they can measure your um, progesterone levels and different things, and uh, also your your uterine lining to make sure that it's a nice cozy place for that little embryo to land one day, so you can have a baby. Step five. Step five is the night before your your uh, egg retrieval. Well, your spouse's egg retrieval, they're going to give her a big old shot of hormones and turn her basically into a she-hulk and uh, let her body really um, produce as many eggs and, and ripen them, if you will, for lack of a better term, for that egg retrieval. It's like, uh, I don't know, you're, you're, you're going down the last quarter mile of a racetrack and you punch it with NOS. You're doing wheelies, you're shooting fire, and then you get ready to go for your egg retrieval. And that brings us to step number six. Step number six is the actual egg retrieval process. In the morning, Justine got to take a Valium, messed her all up. She got all hopped up on Valium. Uh, you go in there and they extract the eggs. And in this case, I can't remember. Well, you'll have to listen to the rest of the podcast in order to find out. But that is step seven. Step eight. Step eight is you wait a couple days to find out how many of those little eggs um, you know, once they're combined with that sperm, you find out how many were actually inseminated and start that process to develop into an embryo. From there, they'll go ahead and wait a couple more days and you'll see which ones actually did develop into an embryo. Step nine. I think we're on step nine, but uh, I'll just refer to the next ones as the next step because I can't remember. Uh, the next step is you're going to go ahead and send those little embryos once you find out how many successfully developed to whatever stage it may be. You send them off for genetic testing to find out which ones are chromosomally abnormal or normal and which ones have the highest um, you know, likelihood of becoming a baby in the future. And they'll grade them for you. So however many, you know, let's say you get 10 that... Um, successfully start to turn into an embryo you send them off for genetic testing you have a couple come back that are not chromosomally normal and what happens typically in life is those will actually just go ahead and die off before you even know but in this case you take that risk out by doing genetic testing and that way you have an even better chance of a healthy successful embryo implanting the next step in the ivf process is you wait, it seems like the 15 years for those results to come back because this is really the big, um, the first really big step here to just turning your little house into a home. You wait for those embryo tests, the genetic testing to come back and find out how many healthy embryos you have to go ahead and try and start your family. It's pretty awesome, but it is a long, long wait, it seems like. I think it, in reality it's 10 days, but it feels like forever. The next step in the IVF process for us was you wait a little while to give Justine's body a, a chance to reset and kind of re, um, regroup and catch itself up. I mean, she's been jacked up on hormones for so long and she just had this egg retrieval. We got to give it a little bit of time to heal in order to give it an opportunity to successfully implant an embryo. During this time, you get to make the decision of which embryos you want to implant. And another cool thing as far as the, the genetic testing goes, you get to see what the sex of these embryos are. So right from the get-go when you're implanting, you can decide, hey, we want a little girl, we want a little boy, we want twin boys. You never know. I mean, it's up to you what you want to decide. And they're graded so you can see which ones have developed to a point um, and a scale of what they're graded on, which ones look the very, very best and which ones look a little less. 
And from there, you can make a decision on which ones you want to implant. The next step in the IVF process is implant day. You wait a couple more days and then you go ahead and you go in for the implant day. It's a pretty simple process where you'll, um, they take out your, the embryos that you want. They'll wash them with saline and you get to kind of see them on a, on a projector, which is kind of cool. They then insert a catheter into your, your spouse's uterus and they implant the embryos. Bingo, bango, just like that. You've got a baby inside you. And as Dr. Conway says, you're pregnant until proven otherwise. The very next step in this process is you wait 10 days for the HCG test, which is basically a pregnancy test. The pregnancy test, uh, a blood pregnancy test that you'll get done at the clinic or a pregnancy test at home, you know, through peeing on it. Those both tests for HCG levels, which is the hormone that allows your body, your spouse's body to sustain a pregnancy. During this time, you're still doing a bunch of shots and, and uh, suppositories and butt shots and all kinds of crazy stuff. But that 10 days is going to feel like forever. I remember, ah, well, you have to listen to the podcast as we go through this because I want to tell you more. But, you know, looking back, it's interesting. Anyways, that's the next step in this process. And then from there... You do that pregnancy test and you find out if all this months and months of hard work and money and frustration and emotion was worth it by taking the pregnancy test. You can take a test at home, but it is um, less likely to be accurate than like a blood test. That's why they want you to do the blood test in the clinic. But some people cheat. They pee on a stick at home. We did not. We didn't do it. We wanted to so bad, but we didn't. We waited for the blood test at the clinic and we're glad that we did. Anyways, that's the next step. And then from there, you basically go visit your doc. It's like once or twice a week. It's a very involved process because they want to monitor these levels because at this point, your embryo has developed, I think it's up to a month. So in a normal situation, you're a month long here, but they want to monitor it to make sure that it's not just like you implant it and then you're good to go. There is still some risk there. So you really want to monitor it. They'll take your blood some more, do some ultrasounds up until I think it's 12 weeks. And then from the 12 week mark, you'll go to your regular OBGYN and you're just pregnant from that point on. But it's, it's such a cool process. You know, thinking back on it, it's so interesting to think about it again. Um, all the stuff that we went through in order to make this happen. But as always, we feel for you guys. We hope that this quick episode was informational and a quick snapshot into what the IVF process will be or could potentially be. And of course, it's very it's going to be very unique to your situation. But this is how it looked for us. We had such a hard time trying to you know pinpoint or find out exactly what start to finish what this process is going to look like. And so we wanted to provide you guys with a little snapshot into what that is right out the gate. Now make sure to listen to the rest of the episodes to see live. I mean, when we did this podcast... It was very live, and we've got some really special, crazy, emotional moments throughout this whole process, and we keep you guys up to date and, and live and current as we're going throughout it. So it's pretty awesome. We, we love it, and we're excited to be able to share that with you. So make sure to tune in and subscribe and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you next time on Let's Make a Baby.